We are now at the finale. The ship has docked in the marina. The aircraft of the sermon series has finally landed on the runway and we have reached the conclusion of our Kingdom Vibes Only. Kingdom, Kingdom, I should have did the chant first, huh? I should have did it. I mean, if we going out, we should have went out with a bang, huh? I don't know. We'll do it New Year's Eve. We'll do it then. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Kingdom Vibes Only, this is the conclusion of this particular series. And I pray, I pray that this series has empowered you and it has been a reminder that you are not of this world. You are not of this world. You were not created to fit in with this world. You were not created to blend in with this world. You were not even created to be accepted by this world. Because in the end, the accepted get rejected. Y'all missed it. You were not created to live by this culture systems, beliefs, and good Lord, their relational advice. Many times their advice is really bondage playing dress up. You were not created to live like that, but you were cosmically created to represent another government. Can I get somebody to say another government? The government that you represent and the government that I represent is not of earthly origin. We live by a different ethic, by a different code, by a different belief, by a different system because I cannot be the solution and the pollution at the same time. We have decided to be kingdom. Somebody say kingdom. I cannot gossip about you and then pray for you at the same time because there is nothing more dangerous to the body of Christ than a gossiping intercessor. Where they do that at though? You may not be able to know the difference between keeping it real and bad-mouthing your sister. You may not be able to know the difference between keeping it real or bad-mouthing your brother. You didn't need to tell them all that. You may not be able to tell the difference. Oh, but your harvest will. See, we're not going to amen right there. I know. Your harvest will. We cannot rebuke a devil that we enjoy playing with at the same time. I can't rebuke a devil that I enjoy sleeping with at the same time. But we have decided to be kingdom. Can I get somebody to say be kingdom? Be kingdom. Therefore, if we are going to be kingdom, I need us to understand that no, you're not perfect. And no, I'm not perfect. But we are being perfected by a perfect God. Amen. Okay, I'm going to say that again because we only got three amens. You are not perfect. And Jerry surely is not perfect, but I am being perfected by a perfect God. We are those who have decided to be kingdom. It is only by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, by the power of the gospel, and by the blood of Jesus that we have arrived to this place in our life. Father, chisel me. Who am I speaking to? on tonight or watching online that you have come to the end of yourself like I have done me long enough and when I look at my resume I'm like why I keep trusting me so much who am I talking to that has come to the end of themselves? where you're like father just chisel me Chisel me, chisel me, chisel things in me and chisel things out of me. Chisel me, chisel me. God, would you chisel in me and chisel out of me anything that is not conducive for my purpose? Chisel me, chisel me, chisel me. God, would you chisel out of me what is limiting my obedience? I like this side. Y'all not talking to me. <laughs> God, would you chisel out of me any and everything that is limiting my obedience because I've arrived to this place where the peace I have now is worth everything I left <laughs> that's for somebody chisel me somebody say chisel me chisel the pride out and chisel the lust out and chisel the anger out and chisel the resentment out and chisel the bitterness out and chisel the anger out and chisel the arrogance out and chisel out every lie that I have believed that I'm not good enough. Chisel it out, God. 
Chisel out every lie that I'm not good enough, I'm not clean enough, chisel it out of me. God, would you chisel out the wounds of rejection? Because one thing I have learned is if a shoe doesn't fit, I don't blame the shoe. That's going to hit somebody on the way home. If the shoe doesn't fit, I don't blame the shoe. I don't say stuck in the department store and crying over the shoe that doesn't fit and blame everybody and say, you know what, I'm never wearing shoes again. I'm done wearing shoes. No, you just find the shoe that fits. God, would you help us to be able to understand what doesn't fit must mean that you have better. God, would you help us to be able to discern our kingdom size? Somebody say, chisel me. Chisel me. Chisel into me healing. I'm about to mess somebody up. Are y'all ready for this? Listen, a lot of us, the reason you try to heal is because you're trying to heal to prove them wrong. Okay. All right. See, we're not going to get clapped right now. It's all right. Yet you're trying to heal to prove them wrong. See? See, I am a good thing. Look, he wanted me. See? See? I am good enough. He dropped my initials. He dropped my last name. Now I got his initials. See, I really am a good thing. See, I really do know how to do business. Y'all just didn't know how to appreciate my mind. Look at how I do business now. I got five stars on Yelp. I got five stars on Google. You didn't know what you were talking about, boss. You just couldn't manage me. See? See, mama? I'm nothing like my father. I'm nothing like my father. I'm there for my children. I spend time with my children. I disciple my children. I'm there for every baseball game. I'm there for every recital. I'm there for every rehearsal. I'm not like my father, you see? And so what happens when you try to heal to prove them wrong, you keep them center stage in your soul. Gosh. You keep them, center soul, keep them center stage in the soul of your mind. And I'm trying to convince you to decenter them by healing for your destiny and because you have been called to represent a kingdom. Yeah. All right. Thank you for the two golf claps. I'm striving to heal because I want to give my destiny the whole version of me, not the constantly seeking approval version of me. Because in the culture, you get even. But in the kingdom, you get healed. See, if there's anybody who's been watching for any extended period of time, the ministry, or you've been following along with the series, you hear me say all the time, we need healing. It's not because I'm up here trying to work psychology. I'm not up here trying to be anybody's type of therapist. It's because I, I understand that there is a kingdom mandate. There's a kingdom mandate. Mark chapter 8 all day. When the Pharisees and the teachers of the law came to Jesus and they asked him, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all you got. I'm using Ebonics. I didn't say with all you have. He said love the Lord your God with all you got. With all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your heart, love God with everything you have, and then to love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So, so the problem is, when I don't love myself, okay, when I don't love me, there is a level of gospel that I'm supposed to reflect to a people that I can't effectively reflect. So I end up becoming a distorted representative because I can't pour from a place that's in a drought. How can I love you when I don't even love me? And I'm trying to convince somebody that God doesn't view you like they view you. God doesn't view you out of your mistake. Yes, you made mistakes, but you're not a mistake. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You're blessed when you're going. You're blessed when you're coming. You are a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. When God made you, he made you with no eraser because he didn't make a mistake. When God made you, you are the masterpiece. 
that he made you. And until you believe that, until you begin to view what the, what the potter made as beautiful, you will always question yourself, which by default, you'll always question others. So there's a mandate that you and I have. I have to heal because I am called to be an ambassador. Can I get somebody to say ambassador? ambassador. I, I'm not striving to get even, nor am I striving to have revenge. Because the biggest flex is when you don't stay stuck in the place they left you and you don't become like who hurt you. Yeah. Did y'all hear me? That's flexing for real. Now look at me now, boo-boo. Back then you didn't want me. Now I'm It's none of that. It's now I'm no longer stuck in the place you left me and I haven't become like the person who hurt me. Somebody say kingdom. kingdom. Sometimes, sometimes healing requires for you to unlearn the lessons taught to you by a wounded person. See, some of us, you struggle with believing God's word because of a wounded person who taught you God's word. And people will always give you their interpretation of the scripture based on how they view it. That's the difference between exegesis and eisegesis. Exegesis is when I'm studying the scriptures, who wrote it, why did they write it, who are they writing to, what is the theme, what is the plot. Eisegesis is when I'm just taking scripture to agree with me. That's it. So you have somebody who will preach a word and they'll say, the Bible says come to church. That's what the word of God says. See, this one person, they didn't come to the house of God like their father. And if you exegete the passage, you'll understand that that was just for the priest, not for just average people. So now I took a scripture out of context because I'm trying to get the Bible to agree with me versus for me to agree with the Bible. I wonder how many copy and paste versions of the Bible we have in the room on tonight. I believe that scripture. Oh, but I don't believe that scripture. I like this version. Oh, but I don't like that version. It's like we have made Jesus our own customized manual. But I got a shocking illumination for you. The Bible is not a menu. You can't pick and choose what you want to live to. Okay, let me get back to this. Somebody say healing. Like I tried to articulate to us in this series, many times all the trigger is is an unresolved part of you that spawns emotionalism that's due to somebody you haven't forgiven or due to yourself that you haven't forgave. That's what a trigger is. Somewhere on the inside of me, there's some unresolved part that I never dealt with that spawns my emotionalism because somebody I need to forgive or due to me that I need to forgive myself. See, and the way you can add metrics to your growth our metrics to your healing is when you are now unbothered by what you used to call a trigger. Yeah. Would y'all hear me? Do I need to say it again? The one of the ways and the metrics for you to know I'm truly healed because a lot of us say I'm healed and now people who really can help you heal aren't serving you effectively because a doctor can't treat a patient that he doesn't know has a condition. And so when you keep telling people, I'm over it, I ain't even tripping over that, I'm good, bro. Now the people who God sent in your life can't even give you the healing medication because you told us you're over it. I wonder how many pillowcases are catching tears from us saying that we're over something and I can't even treat you or help you because you told me you're over it. You're over it. But the way you can measure if I'm really over it is when what I used to call a trigger that doesn't bother me anymore. Like when I see them on Instagram, I don't feel that butterfly anymore. Okay, it's getting quiet. When, when I don't see that shared memory, y'all ever notice how petty Facebook is? Why are you sharing that? That was nine years ago. I don't need to see that. Do another blackout. I don't know what happened the other day when we blacked out, but how about black out my memories? I don't need that. Okay, maybe that's too real. God knew, and this is what I'm personally grateful for. God knew how crazy I was before he chose me, and he still chose me. Okay? God knew how jacked up. I'm using me because y'all look wonderful tonight. God knew how jacked up I was before he chose me, and he still chose me. The Bible says it like this. While we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. So how much more now that you're trying to seek his face, now that you're striving to bend sermons, now that you're striving to serve, how much more do you think God is listening to your cry? Somebody say kingdom. kingdom. Let's go ahead and get this confession out the way because there's a lot I want to share with you. Can I get somebody to say I was made? Now, y'all got to do it. We end in the series. Everybody online, you can put it in the room. Can I get somebody to say, I was made made to advance the kingdom, kingdom, represent Jesus, Jesus, and terrify hell. hell. One more time. I was made made to advance the kingdom, kingdom, represent Jesus, Jesus, and terrify hell. hell. The church family, there is a problem. There is a attribute, there is a feature, there is a particular area in your makeup and my makeup that is serving as a pitfall and a breach to our evolution process, and that is our feelings. Oh, I feel like somebody just said, Lord, my scalp. (laughs) Yes. You kingdom, you love Jesus, and you saying to terrify hell, but there is this potential area in your makeup and in my makeup that's serving as a pitfall and that is serving as a breach in our evolution, and that is your feelings. I wonder who under the sound of my voice and watching online has an issue with catching feelings. (laughs) Because feelings, they're wonderful visitors, but they are terrible landlords. Feelings, feelings. And here's the thing. Whenever we catch feelings, why don't we ever pray to see, God, is this a feeling I'm supposed to be feeling about them, him, or her? Or is this my flesh? Instead, we pray, God, if this is your will, how about God check my feelings? Is anybody there yet? God, check my feelings. Because sometimes what I'm hearing may not feel good, but it's essential for my growth. I know it's going to get quiet now. Because unfortunately, church family, the bad news is you cannot say, hey, Alexa, turn off my feelings. (laughs) You can't say, Alexa, would you please regulate my emotions? There is no Siri. Turn on emotional intelligence. We don't have this feature, and there is no app for this, but this whole Kingdom Vibe series was constructed to get us to understand you're called to represent a kingdom. You're called to be an ambassador. And the whole goal for us on tonight should be, I want to have so much self-government to why I do not allow the insignificant actions of somebody else to cause me to step outside of my kingdom character. Amen. Say it one more time. The whole goal should be for us to have self-government to such a degree that I'm not going to allow the insignificant, I said insignificant actions of somebody else to cause me to step outside of my kingdom character. Amen. Because the culture, they promote talent and charisma. But in the kingdom, it promotes humility and obedience. All right? See, we're getting quiet. He goes, culture, if you talent, talented, we promote it. You got charisma, we promote it. In the kingdom, I don't care about none of that. Are you humble? Because in the kingdom, promotion flies at a low altitude. Who is humble? Who is humble? Matthew 23, 12 all day. If you are humble, I'll exalt you. But if you exalt yourself, I will humble you. So the king is saying, you never have to get humbled if you stay humble. Somebody say kingdom. Kingdom. Before we could end this Kingdom Vibes Only series, while I was studying, I felt the Holy Spirit was revealing to me, listen, there's a reason why my people are not entering into a promise. There's a reason why my people, you want, you desire to represent the kingdom, and I desire for you to represent the kingdom too. But there's something that's getting in the way, and that is your feelings. And my job and my assignment on tonight is I want to teach us and help us to get to a place where we can respond out of what we represent 
versus react out of how that made me feel. Did y'all hear me? Woo, if we could be at that place. I don't respond because I always am reminded about what I'm representing versus reacting out of how that made me feel. Let me give you Bible. This is our biblical icon on tonight. Numbers chapter 20, verse 7. Uh, if you don't have it, you could just look on the screen. Numbers chapter 20, verse 7. The Lord said to Moses, somebody say, said to Moses. That's important. Don't miss this. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes. Somebody say, speak to it. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that their livestock can drink. Simple instructions. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. Uh-oh. It's not, I don't, when I just read that, I don't think God said anything about calling them rebels. <laughs> said, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses, he had to be upset because he raised his arm and struck the rock. And you can't say it's an accident because the text says, look, he struck it twice. So I'm thinking, he like, listen, you rebels, must we give y'all some water too? <laughs> He's mad. <laughs> He's mad. And look, Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Hold up, hold up, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's so much to unpack here. I just want to point out a few things. First thing... Because Moses caught feelings. And look at this. Moses is in leadership and caught feelings. I'm just convinced the church needs more leadership and less leaders slip. All right. All right. You in leadership and you caught feelings. There's nothing more dangerous than, there, than for there to be an out of control, reactive leader that you are following and you're sitting under because as I'm looking at this text verse 7 first thing I want to point out to you verse 7 the Lord said to Moses take your stick take your rod but then at verse 12 it says but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron did y'all catch that I read this during study time I was like hold on verse 7 the Lord said to Moses Verse 12, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron. I'm like, Aaron didn't hit the rock? Why Aaron got to miss it too? Because you will always deal with the, you will always deal with the residue and the secondhand smoke of who you partner with. <laughs> you always go deal with it. Because really, I'm thinking like, when Moses first gathered everybody, and I think Aaron's probably looking like he must be mad. And then when Moses got to stick and was like, listen, you rebels, Aaron should have been like, hold on, guys. Hold on. Excuse me. The Lord bless you. Hold on. Moses, what's your problem, bro? What's your, do, you wanna, do you know what happened? I'm not going to be like Adam. Adam didn't say nothing last time Eve was talking to a snake. I'm saying something to you, bro. Why are you talking to these people like this? Hold on. Let, let, let me handle this. He could have stopped them. I need brothers who stop me. Is anybody else like that? If you don't have friends who stop you, oh, girl, I'm going to his place tonight. I just can't wait, girl. Make sure you have that two-piece. I want you to match. You need somebody to say, girl, no, you're not. I'm coming over there. We're going to lock your door. It's getting cold outside. Crank up the heat and read Proverbs. We're not going nowhere tonight. <laughs> I need brothers that I can call and that I feel like, who in your life can talk you off the wall? Who, because the problem is most of the time we reach out to people who will agree with you. All right. Tanisha and I experience all the time. I'm like, why were you dating somebody? You avoid us. We're not God. Last Thursday, hey, how y'all doing? Now you got a boot thing. You don't know us. What is that about? I need to be surrounded by people who can see what I can't. Like you don't have to hide what you're not doing. All right. Okay. 
So the first thing I noticed was God spoke to Moses, and then he turned around in verse 12 and said, okay, because y'all didn't honor me. Look at what happened because Moses caught feelings. He was not able to enter into a promise because he couldn't manage his emotions. I wonder how many of us, Lord have mercy, are missing out on promised lands because we can't control our feelings. If you're going to represent the kingdom, you have to remember who you represent even when they're disrespectful. Even when they talking crazy, remember you represent me. It's getting real quiet, so I'm going to keep on pushing. The second thing I noticed was um, God told him to speak to the rock. Can I get somebody to say speak? speak? But he hit the rock. Okay, speak to the rock and water will come out. All right? He hit the rock and water still came out. Like, okay, but he disobeyed. God told Moses to speak to the rock and water would come out. Moses is upset. He hit the rock and water came out. Sidebar, what are you hitting that all you need to do is speak to? What wall of frustration do you keep hitting because you're not speaking the word? That was, in it. That was just thrown in there for free. Anyway, as I was studying, God revealed something to me that almost made me feel nervous. It's like, Jerry, don't you ever go off of water flowing. There are a lot of businesses where the water's flowing. There's a lot of ministries where the water's flowing. There's a lot of churches where the water's flowing. But the leader is in rebellion. Just because they got the perks and just because they may have the influence and just because they may be seen, seen to be showing off and God's doing great things, that does not mean just because the water's flowing that them and God are on good terms. God gave water because my people were thirsty. But Moses, me and you got to chop it up. And I think a lot of us get confused. Well, they got married, their water's flowing. Well, they had a baby, their water's flowing. Well, they got promoted, their water's flowing. You don't know how their relationship is behind the scenes. God will promote others because of his people. And here's the revelation I have. I don't want God to use me, but I don't know him. This is how they can say, many on that day say, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out devils in your name and heal the sick in your name? God was using them, but they did not know God. And I don't want to just be used by God. I want to know him. I want to know his power. I want to know his meekness. I want to know his love. I want to know his teaching. I want to know his comfort. I want to know his staff. I want to know his rod. I want to know God intimately, not just so that my water can be flowing and my followers be flowing and my subscriptions be growing. I want to know him. So just because the water is flowing doesn't mean them and God are on good terms. And the third thing that kind of messed me up I need to show y'all this. Are y'all cool with doing Bible study? That's why we're here, right? Let me show you this. Numbers chapter 14. Now, remember, we were just in Numbers 20. Can I get somebody to say Numbers 20? Now, look, Numbers chapter 14. This one messed me up, y'all. The Lord said, I'm at verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, how long would these people treat me with contempt? So, look, God's kind of tired of them, too. How long would they refuse to believe in me? In spite of all the signs I have performed among them, I'm like, God, you got a valid point. I mean, they're walking through Red Seas and seeing Finding Nemo through the lightning and all that type of stuff and having the cloud cover you by day and fire by night. I know I would believe. That's just me. Okay. Um, verse 12 says, I will strike them down with the plague and destroy them. But I will make you, he's talking to Moses, y'all, don't miss this. I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. And Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear about it. By your power, you brought these people up from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land about it, that they have already heard about you. Lord, are you with these people that you, Lord, have, been, have seen face to face? That your cloud stays over them and that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If you put all these people to death, leaving none alive, the nations who heard this report about you will say the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land he promised them on oath. 
So he slaughtered them into the wilderness. Now may the Lord's strength be displayed. Just as you have declared, the Lord is slow to anger. Look at him using the word. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation in accordance with your great love. Forgive the sins of these people. Just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. The Lord replied, all right, bro, I forgive them as you ask. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one has treated me with, with, no one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Now, I've heard this sermon so many times about people preaching about, man, look at the power of intercession. It's almost like God changed his mind. God was like, back up. I'm about to handle your lightweight. I'm tired of them complaining. And Moses was like, don't do that, Lord. What will the people say? Remember, you're slow to anger. Forgive the sins of these people. That's not what I saw, y'all. I saw whenever God wants to remove somebody, let them. Okay, I'm going to put all this. It's Bible study, all right? Because these are the same people in Numbers chapter 14 that got Moses so mad in Numbers chapter 20. Please get this. These are the same people that got Moses so mad in Numbers chapter 20 that God tried to remove in Numbers chapter 14, but because they kept complaining, it caused Moses to catch feelings, and now Moses got disqualified by who already was disqualified. Y'all seeing this? I'm like, Lord, connect these scriptures. And so now I'm like, listen, whenever God wants to let somebody go, let them go. Because you don't know how they're going to be in your chapter 20. All you see is how they are in chapter 14. There must be something God knows is going to happen in chapter 15. And it's going to happen in chapter 16. And it's going to happen in chapter 17. And it's going to happen in chapter 18. And it's going to happen in chapter 19. That's going to irritate you to such a degree in chapter 20 that you forget who you represent. See, this, this is why I tell us your life is like an elevator. Everybody under the sound of my voice and watching online, you have been pre-programmed to go to the top. But here's the thing. The way an elevator works is people have to get off. Y'all hear me? People have to get off. If you try to keep level 14 people with you at level 15, and you try to keep level 14 people with you at level 16, See, elevators have something called a weight capacity. I wonder, could this be why you feel stuck? Because you're keeping people who God told you to let go. Floors, floors, floor, floor below, floor below, floor below. I told you to let them go a long time ago. But you're trying to still hold on to them. And for the love of God, please don't push the door and say, keep the door open. Let it close. If he would have trusted when God said, I want to remove them. Moses possibly would have made it still to the promised land. Now, this is the part that tripped me out. I called my mother today and said, you know what I saw? After God told Moses that none of them will make it, I would have been like, okay, why well, I'm leading them then? Where are we going? I don't want to pastor people that aren't going to the next level with me. I don't. Because when you hang around people who aren't going with you, they will activate former behavior out of you. Y'all hearing this? When you hang around people from your past, they will always extend to you the meals of Egypt. Holy Spirit is revealing something to me. I need us to get to a place where we know how to respond out of who you represent versus react out of how you felt. God, would you teach us self-control? Would you help us to be able to understand that who I represent and what I'm an ambassador for is bigger than how I feel. Give me the character, give me the discipline, and give me the wisdom. So I'll never miss out on a promised land because I caught feelings. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you shout amen. amen. As we end this, we got a few more things I want to share with you and I'm done. As we end this series, I would like to speak around this thought 
from this subject, catching feelings. Now, how many of us honest, online too, how many of us are honest enough to say, I kind of live in my feelings? Anybody honest enough? Okay. That's all right. I'm going to try to help you on the night. Online, you could put like hand raise emoji. I live in my feelings. Has anybody ever told you that you're emotional, but you disagree with them? Anybody? Okay. Now, I want to ask again. The ones that said, I kind of live in my feelings, raise your hand again. See, how y'all going to raise your hand when y'all say somebody said I'm emotional, but I disagree with them? But then you just raise your hand and say sometimes. <laughs> okay. I want to help us on the night. All right. Are y'all ready? The worst place that you and I can ever live is in your feelings. Okay? One of the worst places, hear me y'all on the night. If you don't remember anything else, I need you to remember this. One of the worst places that you could ever have listed as your place of residence is for you to live in your feelings. First reason is because God is going to tell you to do things many times that does not feel good. And when you live in your feelings... Rest assured, the enemy is going to strive to become your mailman. <laughs> to deliberately and intentionally send you packages that activate your feelings so that you can engage in self-sabotaging behavior. Because listen, y'all, Satan knows I can't stop what God is doing in their life. I can't even stop where God is taking them. I can't stop what God is doing, what God has done, and what God is going to do. Oh, but if I can get them to sabotage their witness, oh, now I get it. it see, if, if I can get for them to curse them out the same way they cursed you out, then maybe I can cause for them to sabotage their witness. If I can get for them to flip them off on 249 or 45 or 610 on I-10, and you didn't know they were coming to Thursday night service too, and you got a song to lead, if I can get you to flip them off, maybe I could sabotage their witness. If I can get for you to respond to that flirtatious DM, it's getting real quiet in here on the night. Go ahead and take a picture. <laughs> it's getting quiet in here on the night. <laughs> if I can get for them to respond to that flirtatious DM and step outside of their covenant and they still have to lead small group, maybe I can get for them to sabotage their witness. It is a war move on the ambassador because watch this. How do you contaminate somebody's reputation? You distort their image. There are people right now, if I were to say their name, you would immediately marry their name to what they did. Because how do you destroy a man? You distort his image. Like, for example, a lot of us call this disciple in the Bible, Thomas, Doubting Thomas. I don't know if he doubted any other time than when Jesus rose from the grave. And we have had preachers from centuries talking about Doubting Thomas. Down, why are you labeling him by one thing that he has done? Because the way you, you distort somebody's image... The way you'd start to mess up somebody's reputation is you distort their image. Watch this connection. You and I are made in the... There it is. Y'all know the Bible. You and I are made in the image and likeness of God. So if I could distort those who are supposed to carry his image, maybe people won't even look to him because they see all of his images in the world that have distorted views. Are y'all getting this? So when I try to send things your way for you to act out in your emotions, it's not just because Satan is trying to get on your nerves. It's because I want to distort an image. I want to distort an image. I want to have things in your life that cause for you to act reactively. You know why? So that you'll be gifted, but you won't be able to get the ear of the audience that you're supposed to reach. This is good, y'all. Because nobody wants to eat a five-star meal off a trash can lid. See, let's look at this. Anybody here love Popeyes? Anybody like Popeyes? You like Popeyes? All right, cool. Somebody said hallelujah, really? <laughs> All right, so we got some Popeyes up in here. And we got a trash can lid. Where's my spoon at? Is my spoon over there? You see a big old spoon over there? Come bring it to me. All right. We got some Popeyes. Now, look. This trash can, thank you, beautiful. This trash can lid has had baby diapers thrown in it. 
It's had flies on it. I know because I've seen we cleaned it up and it's the same trash can. It had like sewage juice on it, chitlin juice on it. But we love Popeyes, right? All right. So what we're going to do, we got some mashed potatoes in here, okay? Yeah, I said taters. We're going to put some mashed potatoes on here. Oh, yeah. What y'all doing? This is good. Y'all just say yes. Yeah. Somebody said hallelujah. From Popeyes, we're going to get some chicken. Look, it's crispy too, y'all. We're going to put some chicken on here and they biscuits. Anybody love their biscuits? Okay, we're going to put their biscuits on there. And we're going to put some more chicken. And you know you got to get the gravy. Let's go ahead and get all the gravy. All right. Now, remember, y'all said this is good. This is good, y'all. Anybody want to eat it? <laughs> Why y'all looking at me like that? Anybody want to eat it? Nobody wants to eat a meal off a trash can lid, right? See, for most of us, this is what your gift looks like. It's good, but your character looks like the trash can lid. This is so good, y'all. So, yes, you gifted to sing. You gifted to do business. Sir, you gifted to preach. Your YouTube channel is fire. Your podcast is dope. Girl, you sing so good. Well, I have chills every time you hit them notes. You, hit, like, you have like an angelic voice. You are called, but your character is like this trash can lid. Now, this is just me. As a leader and as a pastor, I've arrived to a place where I rather okay gifting an excellent character than terrible character and amazing gifting. Now, y'all just said Popeye's is good, but nobody wants to consume this. And this is how a lot of us look in the spirit. You wonder why people won't follow you. You wonder why people don't want to be a part. It's because of your attitude. It's because the way you respond when you offend it. This is delicious, but look at this, y'all. The bacteria that is on this, if I were to consume it, could affect me getting sick by trying to consume it. This is why a lot of us look to, listen to talented artists, but we end up getting sick with lust. Because we're going off the gift, but we're not even dealing with what spirit conjured it up. There's something on the inside of that artist you haven't even recognized. Girl, why I'm so horny on the night? Why I just love this song? It's something... Tell them the truth. There's a spirit that is attached to those lyrics. Listen, I'm going to just be real. This is why when I was in the club, I was like, man, they look like zombies. When they play grind on me, everybody grinding. When they play knuck if he buck, everybody want to fight. <laughs> Don't even recognize gifted individuals, but we're picking up the spirit because we're not considering the character or what influenced it. And this is what the enemy wants to do with us. You're gifted, you're called, and you're anointed. But your emotions, your attitude, your mouth, though, like T-H-O, your mouth, though. Some of us, you look holy on the night, but we are creative cussers. I mean, putting words together that don't even match. <laughs> I'm serious. Creative cussers, no self-control. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 tells us there's a fruit of the spirit that all of us have to have and that is self-control and the reason I'm preaching so passionately like this on tonight and sweating out my clothes because God revealed to me for what I'm going to do in their life the next level requires a self-governed you requires a self-governed you so let, let's, let's look at Jesus real quick because he, he is the perfect example. I just really want us to understand that unmanaged emotions will cause us to stay stranded between crawling and calling. This is why it feels like you're moving so slow because God is trying to change your attitude. He's trying to change your emotions and your feelings. But I feel stuck. It's because I'm trying to deal with your attitude. Listen, y'all, somebody may be saying, yeah, but you don't understand. They came at me some type of way, and I ain't going to let nobody disrespect me like that. Nobody. When you understand that a person's attitude and tone is more about their historical storms and their internal storms more than something you ever did, you learn grace. You learn grace. It's something that they're going through. It's something that they went through that has their attitude like that. 
And when you understand that, you learn grace. I don't feel the need to pop off at them as well because emotional maturity, two things, emotional maturity, number one, is when you constantly remain in self-government. Can I get somebody to say self-government? When you constantly remain in self-government, and number two, when you, could, when you could discern when somebody's projecting on you versus when somebody's holding you accountable. Emotional maturity. Let me tell you what helped me. People who hold Jerry accountable, I can count on. You really can't hold me accountable if I can't count on you. Because if I can count on you, I know you love me. So I have certain brothers, Terrence, Torrance, uh, Sanchez, Warren, my different brothers. There's certain men that I know that if they come at me about something that they didn't like, I'm willing to listen and I need to listen because I know I can count on these people. They love me. But somebody who doesn't know me, well, I really didn't like when you said this. Okay, this might be more about what you're going through because you're not a person that holds me accountable. Does this make sense? So... When we get to the place to understand that emotional intelligence and your biblical standards will often frustrate those who can't run game on you. Did y'all hear what I just said? Emotional intelligence and biblical standards will often frustrate those who can't run game on you and who cannot manipulate you. Stop apologizing. Unfortunately, some people can't stand a light they can't eclipse. They can't stand it. It has nothing to do with you and has everything to do with how they're thinking about themselves or what they went through. So look how Jesus handled this. I tried to teach us this in April. Matthew chapter 27, verse 14. All of these people were talking about Jesus, calling him out of his name, making fun of him, spitting at him. And let's look how the king responded. Since we're ending this kingdom vibes only, look how the king responded. Just one verse. Verse 14, Matthew chapter 27. But Jesus made no reply. What? Look, y'all. Not even to a single charge to the great amazement of the governor. <laughs> I was studying this today. I said, this is crazy. The governor was amazed at Jesus's self-government. <laughs> Let's modernize the text. Haters all around him. Critics all around him. Unsubscribe after unsubscribe. Petty after petty. One-star review after one-star review. Hater after hater. Cancel culture after cancel culture. And how did Jesus respond? He didn't say nothing. Because when you know who you are, you won't have to respond to what you're not. God, I hope this is helping somebody. I feel like the back of somebody's neck is getting hot. I don't have to respond to a racial slur. I don't have to respond to disrespect. Jerry, what you asking me to be a doormat? No, I'm asking you to be Christ-like. You have a kingdom to represent. He didn't respond to anything that they said. And I know you'd be like, uh, listen, I got so much tea on this person. If you only knew, boo-boo, I have so much tea, I could have a Boston tea party, okay? I have like a whole vibe for them. And I'm here to let you, night that, let you know tonight that carnality is not a vibe. How are you going to let a person with no car drive you crazy? Carnality is not a vibe. How are you going to give somebody the satisfaction of you stepping out of your kingdom character? Can I get somebody to say, I know who I am? So look at this, y'all. Spiritual maturity is when you're able to have a slow fuse. Okay? Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11, it says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is one's glory. Are y'all seeing this? It is one's glory to overlook an offense. I'm going to break this down. You know what it means to overlook? Two definitions I want you to consider. Overlook means to see from above. Like if I'm overlooking the valley from a mountaintop, I'm looking from above. So when the text says overlook, it means that's below me. You came at me cursing, but that type of behavior, that's below me. I'm above that. Somebody say it's above me. Yeah, I'm above that. Yeah, but listen, girl, if you come at me some type of way, I'm above that type of behavior. The second definition of overlook is to miss. If you, you overlook some grammatical errors. You miss this. So when you're able to overlook, 
Sometimes people apologize to you and you don't even know what they're talking about. Like, girl, I'm apologizing the other day. Like, well, girl, what you talking about? <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> I didn't even notice that because I am overlooking an offense. Are y'all seeing this? So there's these fees I want you to see, this acronym, fees, your feelings, your emotions, and your experiences. Let's put these emojis on the screen. This is your fees, okay? Can I get somebody to say feelings, emotions, and experiences? Now listen, where the fruit of the spirit of self-control is not present in this account of your heart, you will always pay for these. This is a fee that's costing your peace. I'm talking. This is a fee that's, ta- that's taking your joy. This is a fee that's causing for you to not like what you see in the mirror because you live life off your feelings, off your emotions, and through your experiences. So what I think is powerful is, you know what an emotion is? I'm going to stand at each one to try to represent it. An emotion is your neurological reaction. Literally, if you look it up, emotions are the reactive part of your brain. This is what you react to. So you see a sad movie, and then you react to that sad movie by crying, okay? It is the reactive part of you. Now, your feelings are twofold. Your feelings, number one, are the byproduct of your emotions, meaning whatever reaction you saw, I saw a sad movie that made me feel sad. Does that make sense? Your emotions are your neurological reactions. Your feelings, first definition of feelings, is the byproduct of your emotion. The second definition of feelings is when your mind is searching to assign a mood or a perspective to a thing. This is so powerful, y'all. Emotions are your reactions. Your feelings are the byproduct of your reactions. And your feelings are when your mind is searching on what emotion and what feeling do I assign to what just happened. This is how when people say things like, I don't know how I feel. You ever said that? I don't know how I feel. It's because my mind has not found a mood or a perspective to assign to me to what just happened. Okay? Now watch this. Your experiences are encounters that shape your perspective. This is so powerful, y'all. I want y'all to get this, please. Your experiences are your encounters that have shaped the way you think. So if you have experienced church trauma, if you have experienced being cheated on, if you have experienced being lied to, you already have a default reaction to when you see anything that looks like what you experienced. So by default, every time you experience something, your feelings will automatically select what happened from an experience and you'll select a posture. You get this. So if they come at you some type of way and somebody came at you some type of way before and you, and you went through domestic violence, the feeling that you're going to feel as soon as they get angry, you're going to get angry too because it reminds me of what I went through. This makes sense? So this is what messed me up. I said, okay, God, I'm following you. Your emotions, your experiences, and your feelings are all connected. Now listen, this is why I want you to experience the power of the gospel. This is why I want you to have an encounter with the Holy Ghost. This is why we we sing so hard and so passionately because I want for every single time you come here on Thursday night for you to have an experience. I want you to be dedicated with your devotion so that you can have an experience. I want you to have a prayer life so that you can have an experience. I want you to fast so that you can have an experience. I want you to see God's face so that you can have an experience so that... I want my people to love so that you can experience love so that whenever an emotion comes, a reaction, before I immediately pick anger, sad, love, happiness, it has to run through the filter of my experience. Does this make sense? Since I experienced the power of God, 
And since I'm spending time with him, since I had worship this morning, when somebody cut me off on the highway, I can select what feeling I want to feel. Am I going to respond out of anger? Am I going to respond out of emotion? Or do I have joy? Because in my experience this morning, I recognize that this is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Is there anybody honest enough to admit when I don't experience him in the morning, I'm more moody throughout the day. I'm more irritated throughout the day. I'm more angry throughout the day. And God is like, listen, this is the key to your emotion. You want to learn how to have self-control? You got to have experiences. You got, this is why you're so moody. You have no experiences with me. This is why you're so horny. You have no experiences with me. This is why you always feel so insecure. You're not having experiences with me. Because if you have experiences with me, when your feelings start to rise up, you can select which one is in alliance with your experience. This is so powerful, y'all. Somebody say, fee. You got your feelings, your emotions, and your experiences. So point number one, how do we get self-control? Address the experience. Address the experience. Something happened in childhood that you never talked about. And you know what that's doing? It's affecting this. Because I didn't know how to react to that. It's affecting this. This is why some people walk around all day looking like that. Y'all laughing, but seriously. In the sanctuary, I can't see because you got mask on. But this is how we look. The only feeling that I know is this, because I never addressed what happened here. So I may have graduated from childhood and even graduated from my adolescence, but my feelings are still stuck in childhood. Address the feelings. Number two, form new experiences. Form new experiences. This is what I recognize. I can't control people. I can't change people. Loving somebody harder don't make them change. I have to love me, and I have to love my God. And so when I am intentional about my experience, I have three times a day, just like Daniel. I just model him. He had an excellent spirit. I'm trying to be excellent like him. He spent time with God in the morning. He spent time with God in the afternoon, and he spent time with God at night. I said, you know what? I'm going to model that because something's going to irritate me between, between the noon, between the afternoon, between the morning. But if I keep on refueling my experience with God all throughout the day, if I keep on filling my tank with God all throughout the day, when something happens that I should be reactive to, I could choose what feeling I want to have. Somebody say form new feelings. Form new experiences. Number three, you choose how to respond. So stop saying they made me mad. No, they didn't. You chose to be mad. You have the freedom to choose. The reason you only know how to choose anger is because that's all you have in your experience tank. It's things that tick you off. And number four, the reason I felt the Holy Spirit calls us to go this route is because, because, it's because you're called to represent a kingdom. Satan knows if I can get for them to react and to have all of their feelings out of control, they'll never experience promises. This is how you could be sitting here on tonight and think everything I'm saying is a lie because you haven't experienced the power of the gospel yourself. But I promise you, when you develop your own experience with God, you'll start to notice you have the power to choose your feelings. You have the power to choose how you're gonna respond. I don't have to respond out of what they did, but I choose to respond out of what I represent. Was this good, somebody? Let's pray. Father, would you help us to have self-control? Week after week, we've been hearing about kingdom and kingdom principles and kingdom keys. But there's one thing that's getting in the way. And it's God, our feelings are out of control. Our emotions are out of control. So I can't represent you well 
because I keep reacting to what happened and what is happening. But God, on tonight, we've learned the way that we learn self-control is by our experiences with you. And I pray, God, for somebody who hasn't ever done it, but they heard this message, and they're going to try it on tonight. They're going to try to pray. They're going to try to seek your face. I pray that you will give them a monumental encounter with you on tonight on the way home in their prayer closet. Instead of picking up the phone and getting on social media, if we could just dedicate a few minutes just to have an encounter with you, I pray, God, that you overwhelm them with your presence so that they'll want that again in the morning and they'll want that again at lunch and they'll want that again at dinner time and they'll live life recognizing the safest place to be is in the will of God because you are the one who regulates my emotions. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody agrees with that prayer. It says amen.